Hello, and welcome to Nonprofit Nation. I'm your host, Julia Campbell, and I'm going to sit down with nonprofit industry experts, fundraisers, marketers, and everyone in between to get real and discuss what it takes to build that movement that you've been dreaming of. I created the Nonprofit Nation podcast to share practical wisdom and strategies to help you confidently find your voice, definitively grow your audience, and effectively build your movement. If you're a nonprofit newbie or an experienced professional who's looking to get more visibility, reach more people, and create even more impact, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of the Nonprofit Nation podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm your host, Julia Campbell. And today we have a special guest. Her name is Monty Hill. And as a community builder, she has learned that any community deserves a representative who can articulate, lead, and cultivate conducive change. Creating for the culture is a motto that has helped Monty's work with businesses, nonprofits, and political candidates throughout Missouri, Illinois, Texas, and Memphis over the last several years, ensuring that the community's voice is always at the center of transformational change. I love that. I became aware of Monty and her work through a fabulous webinar that was held by nonprofit marketing guide. So thanks so much for being here, Monty. Thanks for having me, Julia. Yes. And we've never met. So this should be a really great conversation. Like learn all about what the other one does. So tell me about the work that you do now and the path that led you there. Yeah. So currently the title I have is graphic designer, even though I put on all my bios. I I love on LinkedIn, you say community, what is it? Community change agents or culture changer, and then a little bit of graphic design? Well, it's create for the culture. That's the motto. And then I do say community builder because organizing has always been my focus. I worked Mm -hmm. on a lot of political campaigns, but I see that apply to any job that I have or have worked on. So I do say community builder no matter what, but I'm dipping in the graphic design, almost like creativity. So I am an artist. And I think that's where the creativity comes from. So I've always been in the design side, but as we move into a more, I guess I'm a visual person, a visual learner, but even 2020 kind of just impacted that space for us digitally. I used to work for the state part of Missouri. And at the time I was part of this grant that they had, my title was candidate recruiter. And I was supposed to kind of go out and galvanize new candidates to run for office locally, on a federal level, things like that. And I kept coming up on these roadblocks and it was more on the literature side. So like on a campaign side, you see the person in front of your screen, Mm -hmm. you see them, you know, asking for your vote and things like that. But on a communication digital side, I was knocking on doors and I don't speak any other languages. So when I came up to a door, there was a person who spoke in Spanish English was their second language. So I asked the candidate at the time, are you going to change the literature? So, you know, there's, so we can translate, you know, and I was, everything was a no, everything was a, yeah, like a, um, well, we don't have time to do that. And 
there was also two, I was all, the only person of color, the only black woman in that space. Mm-hmm. So I apply it to it now where I say creating for the culture. We have a lot of talented people of color in design that before, I guess, 2020, we were almost silent in a lot mm-hmm. of things, or mm-hmm. we had folks that would design for us that didn't look like us. So now when I say I'm creating for the culture, I'm creating for people to feel liberated. They're already liberated or they're already, I wouldn't say free um, Mm -hmm. because we're not all free yet, Mm -hmm. but I would say I'm creating content that liberates people in in that perspective. Wow. So how do you work with your clients? How do you work? Do you work with nonprofits and businesses? Yeah. So again, through organizing, it's, Mm -hmm. it's all about like who, you know, in the community. So Mm -hmm. on the ground level as organizers, our mentality is just bring somebody to the office so we can go canvas together. So we can go walk on, knock on doors. But as a graphic designer, I was new to this space. So I started, there's a woman out of Memphis, Tammy Sawyer. She was running for County commissioner. And then there was a fellow named David Hayes. He was running for local office, I think for like one of the precincts out there in um, Knoxville, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And I just started creating like black and brown content, kind of just putting my own style to it. And at the end of each email, like, hey, we like this photo or things like that. I would ask them if they had any clients or if they knew anybody in the community that I can connect with. And again, that's organizing, but I apply it to what I do now. So just knowing people, I slip in a lot of DMs because we're still mm-hmm. we're still working from home from most spaces. We don't use business cards anymore. Um, oh, and I just ordered a ton of them. The very start of 2020, I ordered no, like a I'm thousand business good. cards. I am not kidding. It's, it's all good. I think two business cards or sending thank you notes, handwritten notes or something, yes. but just being, you know, climate friendly. It's just like, we have to bring back that communication. So that's Mm -hmm. why it's like, do you know anyone? Or I'm branching out in this. So yeah, that's how I find clients organically. Wow. No, that's amazing. I mean, I I think the work is so vital, especially to the nonprofit sector. And I think 2021 has hopefully shaken the hourglass or shaken the snow globe a little bit and helped us realize that, like you said, you say in your bio, you say it so perfectly, ensuring that the community's voice is always at the center Mm -hmm. of transformational change. So can you tell me a little bit about how traditional nonprofit marketing strategies and messages reinforce stereotypes? Yeah. So I would say there's, I'm going to give you two examples Mm -hmm. that I see all the time, I guess, with marketing, especially like these, I I currently live in Houston, Texas, but I just moved from St. Louis, Missouri. So that's Mm -hmm. where a lot of my, I guess, organizing work comes from. Mm -hmm. But we have a lot of organizations or nonprofits that are very binary. And I think that Mm -hmm. that is coming from a like westernized space where it's only men, woman, men, woman, even if they're showing youth, it's only boy, girl, boy, girl. And I think a lot with what's happening with policy, we're seeing a lot of people like speak up about trans youth or um, speak up about policy and asking folks to, you know, it's asking for pronouns, you know, um, not even like asking for pronouns, but you shouldn't assume somebody's pronouns. 
And so I think with marketing wise and how that kind of triggers into that stereotype, you're assuming that your community is only this, you know, when they're a mixture of people, cultures, ethnic backgrounds, different economy, economic values, things like that. So yeah, so that's one. And then another one is, I think 2020, again, what we're saying about the, it's Mm -hmm. like shook up everything. There's no going back to the normal. So I even think Mm -hmm. the the word traditional, like we're going to go back to this or what, whatever they marketing strategy you had in 2019, entering 2020 and you paid all this money. I feel like I feel bad for the nonprofits, but you're going to have to kind of just re-strategize and kind of think because we're forever changing and you have to stick with the community because they're the ones that, you know, you're, you're supporting. So those are just two examples, I think. Yes. And I see it a lot in my work. It's pretty unintentional, I think, but I'm advising clients on digital marketing or digital fundraising, really trying to make the work as inclusive as possible, whether it's featuring people that are differently abled or whether it's featuring people of you know different races and different religions. What I do think is that the sector was very comfortable for quite a while. And even though they should not have been, and there were increased calls for more things like, you know, community centered fundraising, but I totally agree with your, your perspective. I think sometimes they have blinders on, especially with binary gender representation. I think that's huge because we're always 10, 20 years behind what brands are doing for some bizarre reason. So do you find that, I mean, what I thought was a really interesting point from the webinar and it was a a learning objective, do you find that many nonprofits either unintentionally or intentionally leverage white supremacy in their marketing? I do. So unintentionally could be almost like not speaking from the voice of the community. And that can also seep into where we have, you're not addressing like the real issues at hand. You're putting people on display, almost like tokenism. And people in their mind or organizations, they might think, you know, that's, this is our mission. This is what we're supposed to do. But I think the ultimate goal is to go back down to the individual and the community. And it might be hard, you know, because we're, you've probably never been in that space or, you know, organizations have 2020 again, shifted everything on how we cultivate communities now, but you're going to have to just see where people are at. And right now I do feel like people want that connection back. They want that organic conversation. So you're going to have to go back down and unintentionally, like I know folks kind of put quotes on, Mm -hmm. you know, different branding or sometimes they'll put stock photos, but that's not really, you're not really understanding what's going on. And this is just an example, but I do branding for, it's a beauty company. It's a natural hair, skincare and beauty, but their main focus is kind of like the Tom Shoes model. Everything you purchase, they buy one, give one to a woman or child in a shelter. And um, their whole goal is a lot of the giving products that they do give in shelters. They're not for textured hair. I'm an African-American woman and, 
you know, a lot of the products that they do have on the shelves don't really fit. We have to go into our communities and things like that. So Heritage 1933 is the company I work with. So I do a lot of their branding and we have to be very intentional about, you know, showcasing the women and child or individuals that are wearing their products and things like that. And it just can't be a stock photo, even though that might be easy to use, things like that. We can't skip the process. You can't rush it. I hope that makes sense. It does. I worked at a domestic violence shelter for years and I've done a lot of work with domestic violence and sex trafficking survivors. And I do remember when I started at the shelter, that was not something that I even thought about how the majority of the products that we were getting were donated from white women or donated from white owned businesses. And they were all Maybelline and like in pro, you know, very pale colors. And it was all for perfectly straight or fine hair. And I, I distinctly remember that being something that really struck me and something that I would never had thought of until I was put in that situation. So I thank you for bringing that up because I, and I also think about, do you watch the TV show Insecure? I do, yeah. With Issa Rae. So when I first watched that, everyone listening to the podcast, you have to watch Insecure on HBO. Issa Rae works at this, she works at a, it's in LA, right? That nonprofit in LA. Yeah, we got you. She is the one person of color mm-hmm. in the entire organization. Mm-hmm. Everyone has, well, they're very well-meaning, but like the microaggressions, the outright racism that happens, even though it's yeah. comedic, really struck me as a white person working in nonprofits. So I, I just, I love that show. I think it was a pretty good, I, I, I liked the flip side of the nonprofits we usually see mm-hmm. on TV. So I think they started addressing the branding and content on the marketing side of the They marketing. did with the logo. Yeah. And me and my friends, we noticed it. And she had this series on YouTube. That's how it blew up. Yes. Awkward Black Girl. Yes. And we noticed it on, it kept, they kept showing it on, I think, season two. And I was like, they have to be, like, they have to address this. They have to be wondering, you know, like, are we wondering about it? But I'm glad they did address it. And um, wasn't it two white hands with like black children? Yeah. In the hands. Mm-hmm. Oh and my. I, I think that they're, you know, again, the intention was there. Like her, the executive director, I think was talking to Issa and we're, she was literally like, these are my hands. Like I'm helping you. And we get it. But going back to real life situations with the Heritage 1933, the entire process for Latoya, which is the founder, she grew up a little bit in situations where she was homeless, her, her mother, and her mm-hmm. brother. So me identifying that as a graphic designer and talking to her more, I know that we can never put any stock photos or put any photo that does not represent textured hair or, you know, because the product is for everyone, but we want people to know that these women come first because obviously racial equity and putting Mm -hmm. people in front of, I guess, that marketing space so they know where they came to and why we're helping and supporting people. So talk a little bit more about community-centered marketing and some of the ways that nonprofits can effectively integrate the community's voice into their marketing and fundraising. So there's a... Obviously, we connected through the last presentation, but Gladiator Consulting helped me understand 
the community-centric fundraising mm-hmm. side of it. Again, I was before doing graphic design, but understanding that we have, all of us have access to resources. You know, it shouldn't go one way. They help me understand. They do a great job in St. Louis identifying organizations that are doing the same work and con- like working with them in collaboration. When it comes to graphics-wise and marketing, I do think there's things right now that fo- people are focused on. I don't know if you're seeing the trend on social mm-hmm. media. Mm-hmm. I see it heavily when it comes to data reporting. So there's an organization called 15% Pledge. Have you heard Ooh. of them? No. Like a, I'm into, again, vigil, but it's like a brown content. They go after big corporations and it's a nonprofit and the nonprofit basically is going towards these corporations to say, you know, it's similar to like the fight for 15. They're going for beauty products. So beauty products are, or I guess, essentially black owned products that can be on shelf life. So they're targeting, for instance, they recently, I love Target, but they're targeting Target Uh because Target came out with a huge press release, I think recently in some marketing ads on how they supported individuals during 2020, during the Mm -hmm. uprising. And Mm -hmm. they came out right away. I don't know how they did it, but this is how the community centric marketing, they came out literally like two days later with no Target. You did not. And they... (sighs) They put the um, marketing plan in a data format for folks that are, I mean, you can get a booklet and read it about all the stats and data. But it's probably very visual infographics, date graphs, charts. And it was cool and it was hip and it was like something we get and we understand. And that's how you can tie in different communities. Not everybody is similar to myself. Like when I look at something, I'm looking at the overall picture. But I'm also like looking how can like the shapes, objects, things like that. They also, I think, put it on social media where there's closed captions. That's also community centric. I yes. guess being like you're including everyone into that's kind of mandatory at this point. It is. For Target not to have closed captions, that's mm-hmm. insane. And then I also think too, they're targeting individuals of color. And so they're putting people into the space first. Like you owe them 15% because we make up when I say we Black people, mm-hmm. make up 15% of the population, the U.S. Mm-hmm. population. Mm-hmm. So the way they tied everything into that design was really beautiful. But you can check it out. It's on their social and other platforms as well. Cool. 15% pledge. Yeah. All right. Well, I will link to it in the show notes and I'll definitely look it up. It sounds really cool. I'm always interested in nonprofits that are doing things like that, like based on data, but data for good. So they're calling out these different organizations. Maybe they should talk to a lot of the conferences that we go to. (laughs) Um, Who else is doing it? Event planners. All Black Creatives. Have you heard of All Black Creatives? No, I have not. I love this. All Black Creatives. I'm writing um, all this down. Yeah, All Black Creatives. I I think they do a really good job at community-centric marketing. They tie in individuals that don't look like the cookie-cutter individual, I guess. And when I say that, I know people are listening to this. I'm moving my hands. I move my hands a lot. But they have people with colored hair, grills in their teeth. Mm-hmm. They have people with tattoos on Tattoos, their, yeah. You know, like... I Real think, people. <laughs> yeah, like people that we see out in the streets, you know, getting groceries out at a restaurant. 
the library. Mm-hmm. Um, everyday people is what they're displaying. And yeah. I really do think that they tie that into the marketing and how they're branding and who's coming into their space. If you want to go deeper into other organizations that are doing this. Yeah, I love it. I love it in examples. Claudia Munoz, she is out in Houston, or not Houston. She's currently in Houston, Texas, but I think she goes back and forth to Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. But grassroots leadership, they are focused on immigration reform, but I do think that they use lived experiences. And this goes back to what I was saying about the Heritage 1933, about not using stock photos. Lived experience photos are individuals that on the marketing side, like on our side, we might not, or we're probably not in this space where we can identify with what they're going through. We're empathetic, but we can't imagine like what they're experiencing and we cannot put our voice into this space. They have to do it. And Mm -hmm. that means getting consent. That means asking if we can use them and not just performative, you know, faces, but asking, can we share your story? And I do think that a lot of the individuals that they showcase on their social media and different platforms are out here surviving. They're, They're survivors. They're, resilient and Mm -hmm. they're organizers and they're doing it and they're telling you it's possible, basically. I do a lot of teaching on storytelling. It's interesting. And I wrote a book on storytelling a couple of years ago and people have actually mentioned to me, I do talk about how to maintain like client integrity and dignity. And I talk about confidentiality, but I do not cover things like ethical storytelling and how to ensure you're not exploiting your community. And that's something I'm trying to work really hard on in my next iteration of the teaching that I'm doing. And I'm always excited to see resources of people doing that really, really well. So thank you. Hey there, I'm interrupting this episode to share an absolutely free training that I created that's getting nonprofits of all sizes, big results. Sure, you've been spending hours on social media, but what can you actually show for it? With all this posting and Instagramming and TikToking, does it really translate into action? In my free training, I'll show you exactly how to take people from passive fans to passionate supporters, and I'll give you specific steps to create social media content that actually converts. Head on over to nonprofitsthatconvert.com. Again, that's nonprofitsthatconvert.com and start building a thriving social media community for your nonprofit right now without a big team, lots of tech overwhelm, or getting stuck on the question, what do I do next? Let me show you how it's done. I can't wait to see what you create. So to kind of wrap up, I want to talk about your eBooks, oh. the two eBooks you have on your website, montyhill.com. Balance your woes. Go get that seat at the table and balance your woes, a guide for kinfolk dreaming in a world of politics. Can you tell me about like why you wrote these books, your inspiration? Yeah. So I, again, I was when I was doing working with the state party, the organizing side mm-hmm. of it, again, anything I do is kind of like organizing led. But the first one, Balancing Your Woes, was uh, uh, Shirley Chisholm, obviously, and all the work that she's done, all the work that she has not even gotten credit for. 
bell hooks have mm-hmm. heard of bell hooks salvation if you read in there she talks a lot about shirley's her fight for justice and mm-hmm. in this political space and her voice is still not being acknowledged and things like that mm-hmm. but i started doing that one because we're going through a trauma like i um i think with the trump era and mm-hmm. what was being displayed on a visual side marketing side mm-hmm. um we were going through something that was bringing us back to when I say we, I'm speaking Black people, but people of color, um, especially those that are feeling the rut of it. And I I do think people have voices. We see right now Cori Bush, who is literally mm-hmm. a congresswoman, who was inspired by an organizer to run for office. So I wrote that in hopes of don't listen to the you know naysayers or mm-hmm. don't listen to all the BS that's online right now and kind of just go for it and run, run for office. And a lot of the critiques or advice that I was providing the candidates at the time, when I did have that job, some of it was going out the window. I know I was in the Midwest. I, so I can't be naive, you know, this black girl, you know, sharing information, but I just didn't feel heard. And so they're really small little critiques. It's literally in a, you can print this out or just put it on your iPad and doodle with it. It's but it's beautiful, it's beautifully designed. Interactive with one another. Mm-hmm. And then if you go to the end of the page, those individuals, it wasn't just m- me doing this. The, these were individuals that I you know, talk to every day. Mm-hmm. So they helped contribute, whether it was revising or like, maybe you should say this, we work together or things like that. And then the other one was um, the guide to- Guide for kinfolk. Kinfolk, yes. So kinfolk, I think when that happened, and if you go into the, I guess the ebook, you'll see pages that are typically just for black and brown people. Mm-hmm. I do think if you go to my Facebook page, I do have a Facebook page, it's black and brown leadership mm-hmm. and politics, but I just wanted some images that kind of spoke to people of color, spoke to people like you can do it. You don't have to worry about what's going on. And it's similar to the first ebook, but it's specifically for the culture. You don't have to align yourself with the, the cookie cutter, mm-hmm. big old face on a billboard. Mm-hmm. You don't have to align with the red, white, and blue symbols or mm-hmm. put that on your paraphernalia. You can change your dynamic on how you want your visuals to look like when it comes to graphics. So if it's aligned with the culture, that means if, if you want folks, I think there was a, a fellow out in Louisiana, he lost, unfortunately, but yeah. he had Big Frida come out and introduce him in a song and the video blew up um, within like three days. But a typical candidate like that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. five years ago, yep. people would be looking at him crazy. And so that's why I'm saying like, you don't have to fall to this like westernized culture of marketing. Oh, political or, signs or, are so ugly. Yes. <laughs> I'm just thinking we just had an election here and I actually was elected to the school committee. So oh, that's pretty yeah. exciting. But the signs are so all of the same. And I love what you said yeah. that it doesn't have to be that way. You can yeah. change it up. You can do whatever you want. You know, you can really. And actually, I think that would stand out if you were doing something different from everyone else. So yeah. thanks so much, Mondi, for being here. How can people find you? How can they get in touch? Yeah, um, I am on Instagram. That's where I put most of my thoughts and creative spaces. I guess 
creativity wise, it's M-O-N-T-I dot H-I-L-L, but I'm also on LinkedIn. And if you want to just connect with me, info at montyhill.com, you can chat, we can talk. Um, if you're in the Houston area, let's connect because I'm still trying to get familiar out here. I went to mm-hmm. school at Fairview, um, but oh. I've been so far removed since college. So if you're out here, we can grab some drinks. Or Houston. Anything. I don't know anyone in Houston. I've had so many podcast guests that live in Texas. It's so funny. Austin, (laughs) Dallas. I don't know about Houston though. San Antonio. So San Antonio. And I know Texas is huge. I'm in Massachusetts, which is very small. So (laughs) it's a different size definitely than, than Texas. But yes, if you are in Houston, make sure you connect or anywhere, connect with Monty and follow her journey, get her eBooks totally for free on her website, montyhill.com. So thank you so much for being here with me today. Well, hey there. I wanted to say thank you for tuning into my show and for listening all the way to the end. If you really enjoyed today's conversation, make sure to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app and you'll get new episodes downloaded as soon as they come out. I would love if you left me a rating or a review because this tells other people that my podcast is worth listening to. And then me and my guests can reach even more earbuds and create even more impact. So that's pretty much it. I'll be back soon with a brand new episode. But until then, you can find me on Instagram at juliacampbell77. Keep changing the world, you nonprofit unicorn. Thank you.